0: It is my privilege for me to introduce our guest preacher for today. Andrew Mabowo is the Director of Ministry for Proclamation Institute Zambia. PIZ is a Bible college in Zambia whose purpose is to train ministers in expository preaching for the purpose of growing the church in Zambia. Andrew and his colleague, Heather Webster, uh, direct the UK fundraising work of PIZ in England. I've had the joy of getting to know Andrew and Heather as they have spent time at JBU and in Silent Springs this week. It is an incredible gift for us to be able to hear Andrew preach God's Word to us, and I'd like to invite him to the front at this time. All right, good morning. We turn to that passage that we read in um, Acts and chapter twenty-three. <clears throat> right. Our, our theme for this morning <coughs> is um, connected to gospel progression. Is the inev- inevitability of suffering and opposition. In other words, as the gospel progresses, what you'll find is that there will be persecution, there will be opposition along the way. And uh, this chapter is basically uh, to do with that, very much so, to do with uh, uh, the persecution and opposition to the gospel. But before we come to Acts chapter 23... I'd like you to be aware of the background, the context that we are looking at here. At this particular time in the Book of Acts, the society was fairly diverse just like we are today. You will find that um, there were many kinds of religions that were there at that particular time. Many languages people had gathered in Jerusalem from different parts of the world. There were all kinds of philosophies that existed, like the Stoics and the Epicureans and so on. That, that kind of diversity was there in the society, just as it is at the moment, uh, even here. When you come to the Book of Acts, you must always bear in mind that the writer also wrote the Book of Luke. And so when you look at Acts, It is a continuation of what Jesus began to do. Now, that that is very important that we remember that what Jesus began to do in the book of Luke is what he is continuing to do in the book of Acts. So when you uh, come to the day of Pentecost, for example, while a number of people are confused, they don't know what's going on, then Peter stands up. What does he do? He preaches the Christ. Now, Pentecost is primarily about preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. See, as the Holy Spirit comes, he empowers the believers. What do they do? They preach our Christ. So if you miss that point about Pentecost, you may have missed what the main purpose is. Christ must uh, be preached. And that is the focus uh, even of the book you know, of, 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 of Acts. You see there is a, these similarities uh, that we find between Luke and Acts which I'm sure we have come across. If you turn for example to Luke chapter 24 uh, the book of Luke and chapter 24 the very uh, important similarities here in chapter 24, and you look at verse 46, for example, verse 46, and he said to them, "Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day uh, rise from the dead." When you come to Acts chapter 1, you find you know very uh, similar writing that you you find in Acts chapter 1, and uh, verse 3, to them he presented himself alive after his passion. By many proofs appearing uh, to them during 40 days. Not only was Christ to suffer, but we find that the comparison in the book of Luke as well as the book of Acts has also to do with the coming of the, you know, the Holy Spirit. Uh, you find that in Luke 24 and verse 48, 24, verse 48, you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I will send a promise of my Father upon you, and you stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That is about the Holy Spirit. And you find that in Acts chapter 1, again you are, are promised about the coming of the Holy Spirit. There's a gospel progression going to all over the world. You'll find that in Acts, I mean in Luke uh, chapter 24. Um, you look at this, uh, you know, 47 there. The repentance, forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all uh, the nations. And what do we find in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, um, it says again there, but when the Holy Spirit, has, you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now we must bear this very much in mind. When we're looking at the book of Luke, Look, Christ began to do something there. And when you come to the book of Acts, he is continuing. He is continuing. And so you have Christ who suffered and the promise of the Holy Spirit and the gospel must go to every part of the world. And you find even what we read in Genesis, it is very similar. The word must go all over the world. Believers are going to be from all over the world. There are going to be many coming from different parts of the world. Now let's um, uh, go to Acts and uh, look at the structure that has come up in, in this particular section. You know, beginning from Acts chapter 1 verse 8, this gospel going, not only in Jerusalem, but in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends you know of the earth. So you when we come to acts chapter 23 we are coming to a situation where the apostle paul is supposed to go uh, to rome the gospel must be preached to the gentile world right remember he had gone on those three uh, missionary journeys the apostle paul has been into asia he's been into into into, into europe the gospel must reach rome the church kept growing, and it reached Zambia as well. In 18, between 1850 and 1900, the gospel reached Zambia. Missionaries from here, from the UK, from Australia, uh, they went and preached the gospel. From zero Christians about 160 years ago, today we talk about 26% of the believers, uh, evangelical believers you know, in the country, so beginning from Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and, and uh, Europe, and then it, it, has, uh, it has reached, you know, you know, Africa. The Apostle Paul, with all that he did in those missionary journeys, we find him uh, beginning to suffer again and again. And this is where we are, you know, at, at, at the moment. I would like us to focus now on Acts chapter 23. Remember the Apostle Paul having suffered, preaching the gospel, sometimes thrown out of the city, sometimes beaten, and things like that. And then he comes to Jerusalem. What do they do? As we come to Jerusalem, he is assaulted. He is arrested. By who? Not the Romans. By the Jews. By his own people. And it is the Romans who are kind. It is the Romans who are protecting him. Can you imagine? His fellow uh, uh, Jews are the ones who are trying to get rid of him. I'd like us to bear this in mind that there are certain comparisons between Paul and the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you'll be able to follow this one. The way that he suffered is very similar to the way the Lord Jesus Christ suffered. See, the Apostle Paul here faces five specific trials. He's tried by the crowd, just like Jesus appeared before Hannes. Paul appears before the Sanhedrin. The Lord Jesus Christ appeared before the Sanhedrin as well. The Apostle Paul comes before King Agrippa II, and Jesus was before King Herod uh, Antipas. Uh, Paul appears before Felix the Lord Jesus Christ appeared before Pilate. Paul appeared before Festus, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared before Pilate again. I want you to bear this in mind, that when Paul is suffering, the Lord Jesus Christ had said, I have appointed you to be a minister to the Gentiles. You are going to suffer. And exactly like the master had said, the apostle is going through very similar a uh, kind of suffering, before the crowds, being judged wrongly, before the Sanhedrin, before Herod, you know, before uh, Felix and Festus, these some of these Roman uh, uh, leaders. Just exactly like the, the, uh, his master suffered, the apostle Paul uh, suffered, you know, in the same way. That is amazing. That it is Romans, it is the Romans that are protecting him and not the Jews at all. Just like the Lord Jesus Christ, Pilate said, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. Why do you want him to be crucified? And the crowds shouted louder and louder to get rid of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is something very similar that is going on here. Let us look at verse 1. Uh, to verse 5. Acts chapter uh, 23. You still there? Acts 23, 1 to 5. And what we find in here is that uh, the suffering a physical pain for the sake of the gospel can sometimes take place. There are times when you may suffer a physical uh, pain for the sake of the gospel. Physically, Uh, The Apostle Paul went through that so many times, where he's beaten, he's thrown out of the city. The physical pain can actually uh, take place here. And and what we see here, he has has been slapped. If you look at uh, chapter 23, verse 1 to 5, and Paul, looking intently at the council, said, Brethren, I have lived before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest, Ananias, Commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Strike him on the mouth. And uh, you know that the Apostle Paul reacted rather sharply, uh, different from the way the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, reacted. Uh? But the point is that there is possible suffering of physical pain. You see, when they, um, the high priest saw that Paul was saying. I have a clear conscience. You know, they saw that Paul had left the Jewish religion, and now he was following the the cross. He's a Christian now. And for Ananias to say that this man is still saying he's all right before God when he has left our religion, He's he's blaspheming. I hit him, as it were. But, you know, the apostle is saying, I have a clear conscience before God, as I stand here because he had come uh, to know the Lord. And he said, that desire of wanting uh, to please the Lord, just a mere desire can result in persecution. Those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That we are told in the Bible uh, very, very clearly. And the second thing I want to mention is the danger of the Apostle Paul being pulled to pieces. You know, the second section, verses 6 to 10, you have in that uh, situation where the Apostle Paul uh, basically brings up the subject of resurrection. And so the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they begin tearing each other apart. But you know, it became so violent that uh, the Roman rulers thought the Apostle Paul may be basically uh, pulled to pieces. And so what do they do? They actually rescue him, uh, get him out of that situation. And what he brought out here is the subject of the resurrection where the, uh, the Pharisees ended up being on his side and the Sadducees in a way not. There is always the constant danger of the believer, wherever they might be, of being pulled to pieces Uh, because of those who are against the gospel. That can happen to anyone, anywhere in the world today. But in the midst of this, you have this verse 11. You must read verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified about me at Jerusalem, so you must bear witness also at Rome. Now, I don't know if you have the the picture here. The apostle comes into Jerusalem, and they want to get rid of him, right? There's all this uh, violence against him, trying to uh, slap him on the mouth and so on. In the midst of all that, the apostle Paul begins to wonder, "Uh, the promise that I was going to preach in Rome as well, is it there? Is it still there? He's basically crying before the Lord, and the Lord comes by his side. The Lord Jesus Christ comes and encourages him that you will reach Rome. Whatever, you are going to hap- whatever is going to happen here, I will keep you until you reach you know, Rome. What an encouragement. You know, when, uh, when you are close to the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are near him, when he comes by your side, whatever situation you may face, the Lord will encourage you know, us in our various uh, situations. And I wonder about your situation, whatever it might be. Remember this the Lord Jesus Christ wants to encourage you know his own people. And then there is this plot in verses twelve to twenty-two. A plot where now it's not just the Sanhedrin, it's not just the Jewish rulers, it's not the Pharisees, it's not just the Sadducees. But there are forty uh, men. I'm sure they were very, very strong men. They said, we are not going to eat, we are not going to drink until we kill the Apostle Paul. So now it's like the crowd has joined. They want to get rid of, of, of this man. They, they all want to get rid of him. And then there's that plot that was done. And uh, Paul had uh, had a, a sister who's, who's got a son who had this and uh, went and reported to the Apostle Paul, who spoke to a centurion, uh, who spoke to the commander. And if you have followed the story, you know, the commander organized an army, I mean, such a, such a big uh, guard of, of, of people that we are going to be able to escort him uh, to safety. It's it's such such a powerful team that not even current presidents in the world, you know, will have that kind of uh, protection when they are walking around. It's amazing that Rome, who were the non-believers, who were the people who had nothing to do with God, and they are the ones that are so protective of the evangelist, of the apostle, of the preacher. It's just amazing. Men will plot evil against gospel preachers, but it is only what God desires that will be done. They will never thwart God's uh, plans. And so there were these that uh, planned all this, but we are told that they never succeeded because the man was rescued and taken to Caesarea uh, to appear before with this governor of Rome. And that way, you know, the man was, was rescued, you know, before God. Go, man cannot swat God's plans. And that is what we see uh, in verses 23 uh, to 35. There is no way that, uh, you know, the man can be able to disturb what God, you know, has planned. And so he organizes this powerful uh, uh, team, And if you remember the the Apostle Paul towards the end of his life, I want to read this verse because it's very, um, very, very encouraging. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 18, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil and save me for his heavenly kingdom. The Lord will rescue me from every evil and save me for his heavenly uh, kingdom. See, the gospel is going to progress, but in the midst of that progression, there will be suffering. Remember Stephen? He was stoned to death, and there was all that persecution, but the gospel progressed. Remember how John and Peter were attacked And yet the gospel uh, progressed. The Apostle Paul, is being harassed and beaten in all this. But the gospel progressed. And Paul was going to reach Rome. Whether the Jews like it or not, he was going to reach Rome. And that's how the Gentiles have been able to to receive the gospel. How we Gentiles have been able to receive the gospel. So no matter how much suffering that takes place, the gospel is going to progress. Just in our generation, they wanted to get rid of Christianity. I remember they, I been in Russia where they would say the religion is the opium of the people. You know, try, try and get rid of Christianity. What has happened? It is all those socialist countries instead. You know, that uh, their communism collapsed. The church has grown. There's a lot of opposition in the world and the church is growing. Uh, whether it's in the Buddhist areas, where the Islamic areas, the church is growing. The believers are coming to know the Lord. Now, the challenge is, what are you doing in order to progress the gospel? Are you scared of suffering in the mission field? Are you afraid of your own security? What are you doing locally at the local church? What are you suffering for the sake of the gospel at the local church? Your time, your resources? See, the gospel will progress even in the midst of suffering. The Lord will achieve his purposes. But are you going to be a partner, you know, in that particular gospel? Are you going to partner with the Lord so that you may do his work? Whatever the challenges that may come your way. The Lord rescued the Apostle Paul and kept him for the heavenly kingdom. When we die, we enter in eternity with him. And so the worst case scenario is death. But in death, you are translated as a child of God to enter eternity with God. So why should we be afraid of suffering in the preaching of God's God's word? May each one of us Look at our lives and see where we are avoiding suffering in order to reach others with the gospel of Christ. May we be prepared, like the Apostle Paul, to do the work of God, whatever the challenges that may come our way. May the Lord bless his word. Thank you, Andrew.